Hey there, and thanks for listening to our podcast. Our mission at Hope is to invite everyone to find Jesus and help them move toward the center of God's purpose for their life. Here's this weekend's message. Well, hey, everybody, all of our campuses and all of you watching online, so glad you're with us. All of us here at Frisco East, man, where have you been? It is so good to, to see you, and it's good to be back, and I'm excited about today. Uh, last week, Pastor Eric from our McKinney campus started a series called Devoted, and actually, our campus pastors uh, over the last several weeks have done a great job. Can we give it up for them? Guys, thank you. Awesome job. Awesome job. We love you. Um, last week, Aaron or Eric started uh, devoted to community, and I'll talk more about that in a minute. Today, I'm going to talk about devoted to prayer. And when you came in, hopefully you got a little card that says 21 days of prayer. On the back of that, there's a QR code that you can download a journal plus a devotional for the next 21 days. Our staff has written this awesome stuff um, to go along with our 21 days of prayer. And, uh, and if you need a physical copy, we have a few at the uh, info centers at, across all of our campuses. But download that. Start 21 days of prayer with us tomorrow. Uh, you'll be guided through it. And we're just kind of refocusing our hearts and our minds as the school year starts and uh, as, as we end summer, just uh, on praying. Tomorrow night, online, 6 o'clock, we're going to do an online prayer meeting service type of thing. And, and you maybe gather around the family and uh, watch us streaming online live at 6 p.m. for our, our night of prayer online. Okay, so that's tomorrow night. Um, you can go to this website, hopefellowship.net slash 21 days of prayer. Find all the information, journal, uh, information on how to stream that service tomorrow night, all that stuff, 21 days of prayer. All right, so Last week, as we started this series, I'm going to finish it, just a two-week message series called Devoted. It's based out of Acts chapter 2. Now, let me rehearse that with you. Let's, let's look at that real quick, and, and I'm going to dive in for the, to the message for today. But in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, it says, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper. Now, that's what Eric talked about last week, this devoted to community. Community this way, apostles teaching, growing in your faith. Community this way, fellowship, sharing in meals. Community this way, the Lord's Supper. Community this way, sharing in fellowship, right? The devoted to what the early church was devoted to. That hadn't changed. The, the community in which God calls us, we're the body of Christ. He's all put us together, as weird as maybe some of us are. He's put us together as a body. And so devoted to community is so important. But the, the last phrase of that verse is Acts 2.42, is, and they were devoted to prayer. They were devoted to prayer. So let me rehearse this with you. Devoted um, to prayer is what we're going to talk about today. Now, I know prayer is an all-encompassing big idea, Right? I mean, it's just, it's, it's, sometimes it's overwhelming when we, when we think of prayer. When we think of, of uh, prayer meetings, like tomorrow night even, or, or maybe you were raised in a church that had prayer meetings and, like I did, and it was an hour long. And it was like, man, what can we pray for for an hour? As a kid, I mean. 
Now, as an adult, I pray for hours and hours at a time every day. But no, I'm kidding. But when you're a kid and you're at an hour-long prayer meeting, it's like, what are you going to say for an hour? Okay, so, so please, when we, th- when we think about prayer and we think about that, please, please don't get overwhelmed. But here's a result of what happened to the early church when they were de- devoted to community and when they were devoted to prayer. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching, growing like this, community with God, sharing the Lord's Supper, and they were devoted to sharing their lives. They were devoted to prayer. Here's what happened, the rest of the verses. A deep sense of awe came over all of them, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders, and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. That's how deep the community was. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. So devoted, listen, devoted to community, devoted to prayer, here's what happened. And they enjoyed the goodwill of all the people. So when the people of Jerusalem, this is where this happened, when the people of Jerusalem looked at the early church, they didn't go, they're weird. They didn't look at the early church and go, man, they're judgmental. They're, I mean, they're just not nice people. They looked at the early church and they said, man, these are awesome people. They pay their bills. They're nice to everyone. They're generous in their love. They're generous in their money. They're generous with their forgiveness. I want some of that. The early church devoted themselves to community, devoted themselves to prayer, and as a result, the Lord added to those who were being saved to their number each day. He just added because people were inclined to want what they had. And so when I've been gone the last several weeks thinking about our church and thinking just about focus, you know, what, what, what should we be doing? What would please the heart of God looking back at the early church and their devotion, their commitment to one another, and their commitment to prayer? Now, the interesting thing, though, about this is what kind of prayer? You ever thought about that? What what kind of prayer? So when we think about prayer, a lot of us are like, you were raised perhaps in in where you memorized a a, a certain amount of prayers for special things. Nothing wrong with that, but perhaps it didn't connect because it just became kind of one of those things you just said over and over and you really didn't mean it or you didn't connect with it. Maybe you're raised like me and, and you just didn't know what to pray. I mean, I don't, I don't, I mean, I can't even pray for five minutes. I would remember those hour-long prayer meetings going, man, I've got 53 minutes left and I'm done, right? And so a lot of us, you know, what kind of prayer are we talking about when, they said, when, when it says they devoted themselves to prayer? What does that mean? What were they praying for? Acts chapter 4 gives us an insight to the devotion of prayer. In other words, what were they praying for? You look at the Gospels in Jesus. It's not wrong to pray for what we need, but you look at what Jesus said about talking to God, and it's all centered around one thing. You look at the Acts, the, the, the book of Acts, all the cha- I mean, from, from uh, the early disciples in Acts chapter 2 through Paul and, and 
his group going all around the world preaching the gospel. One prayer that was common, the most common prayer. Acts chapter 4, let's look. Now, Peter and John were thrown in prison because they were preaching Jesus. Religious leaders didn't like it, so they said, hey, don't preach Jesus anymore. They were thrown in prison. Here's what happened. As soon as they were freed, Peter and John returned to the other believers and told them what the leading priests and elders said. Don't preach Jesus. When they heard the report, all the believers lifted their voices in prayer together. Here's what they said. O God, sovereign Lord, creator of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them, you spoke long ago by the Holy Spirit through our ancestor David, your servant, saying, why were the nations so angry? Why did they waste their time with futile plans? The king, kings of the earth prepared for battle. The rulers gathered together against the Lord and against the Messiah. In fact, this has happened here in this city. For Herod Antipas and Pontius Pilate, the governor, the Gentiles, and the people of Israel were all united against Jesus. So that's what he's talking about there. Your holy servant, whom you anointed. But everything they did was determined beforehand according to your will. So in other words, we could be reconciled to God through what Jesus did on the cross. And now, O oh Lord, hear their threats. And here's what they prayed. Okay, before you read on, here's what they prayed. They said, O oh Lord, protect us from the enemy. Oh, Lord, protect us from these evil people who want to kill us. Oh, Lord, protect us from all the bad stuff. No, this is what they prayed. Oh, give us your servants great boldness in preaching. Your... Now, what were they just told? Don't preach Jesus anymore. Their prayer, and if you go through the book of Acts, it was all, it was all about kingdom advancement. And give us your holy servants bold, or your, your servants boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And after this prayer, the meeting place shook, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they preached the word of God with boldness. So let me put it on the screen like this. When we talk about devoted, okay, we're talking about spiritual growth and community. We're talking about devoted to prayer, and that equals kingdom advancement. You look at, you just see it in, in, in the book of Acts. You see it as they preach the message bold, boldly. And that's what they prayed. They prayed, oh God, anoint us. Oh God, fill us with your power so that we're not scared to preach, so that we're not scared to stand up for the name that is above every name, that is not a political power. It is not a financial power. It is not a, any kind of power except a heavenly power. We want to preach in that name. Give us boldness to do that. Now, let me ask us a question. Now, don't raise your hands, but how many of our percentage of prayer is the vast majority of it is about us. Now, I just want you to think about it for a minute. There's nothing wrong about praying for us, okay? I have a list that I have in my uh, computer program called OneNote, and, and it has a prayer, right? And, and Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I, and I don't always do it, but I have a, an outline of, I'm going to pray for this, I'm going to pray for this, I'm going to pray for, and I pray for my family, pray for Lucy. You should be praying for Lucy, she should be on your prayer. And, and I have another grandbaby coming. Yeah, a boy. Man of God. So, and it's not wrong to pray those things. I pray them, okay. What percentage of your prayers are about kingdom advancement? 
oh God, would you use me today at my work? Would you use me today at school? Would you use me today in my neighborhood? Would you use me today to be a light so that those around me who really are open, I would be in tune with you enough to know that they're open and I would be able to share your love and your grace with them. What percentage of, your, of our prayer is like the early church? Oh God, give us great boldness. Stretch out your hand and may you do crazy great things so that people will be drawn to you. Or is the percentage more about you and your business and your family and your stuff, my stuff, right? Does this make sense what I'm saying? Our area is growing still. (laughs) For 21 years that I've been here, this area has been in the top one to two fastest growing areas in the nation for 21 years straight. They're still coming from all over the world. And if you look at it on one side, it's very, very frustrating because they don't know how to drive. Okay? Right? I mean, how many are with me on that? We need some discipleship. Um, and you know I'm kidding. But, but the, if you understand the, the infrastructure around us, we really are not in a position right now to, to house or handle the amount of people that are moving to this area. And if you're new here, I'm so, we're so glad you're here because on the other side of that coin is an opportunity that we have for all of these people in this area, as frustrating as it can be. We have an opportunity so when we see crowds at, at wherever we're going, and even in the parking lot, right, it's like, man, where are these people come from? This is my church. How many have ever been sitting in a chair in, a, in an area for maybe a, a two or three years now that we moved into this building here at East, or maybe at Prosper in the high school or whatever campus, and you have an area in which you sit kind of that you like, and somebody sits there on a Sunday, and you're like, What? And then you muddle past them. They're from California. (laughs) We love you, California people. So when you look at crowds and you look at the area, what do you think? Do you think the same things that, and I'm the pastor, I'm, I'm supposed to be spiritual. Do you think the same things I think? I'm like, who's in charge of the infrastructure 20 years ago? And how come they didn't plan better? Right? We need more roads. We need subways. You know, we need whatever. Or do we think like Jesus? Matthew 9. Let's look. Jesus traveled throughout the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom, and he healed every kind of disease and illness. When he saw the crowds, what did he do? Got frustrated because he couldn't get to Jerusalem fast enough? Or wherever he's going? No, he said, it says this. Listen, when he saw the crowds... He had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. He said to his, listen to this, he said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. Now, remember the key today is prayer. So we're talking about being devoted to prayer, but I, but I'm, I just want to refocus our, our, our percentage of prayer to maybe think about, and I'm not even saying that, to actually put into action a higher percentage of our prayer to the opportunity that we have all around us. Let me say we, you and I, in our individual lives, have all around us. 
The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest and ask him to send what? More workers. Let me put it on the screen like this. Don't get mad at me, but let me put it on the screen. The number of people who are disconnected from God and ready to be connected is not the issue. The number of people who are lost, the number of people who are far from God, the number of people who are ready to be connected to God is not the issue. The issue is the number of people who really give a rip that they're disconnected. When we look at a crowd, we can look at it two ways. We can go, oh my goodness. Or we can look at it, oh wow, what, oh my goodness, what an opportunity. Do you see, do you see what I'm saying? So, so our, 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 our focus, listen, our focus for prayer, I, I want us to renew or, or reset the amount of time that we spend or the amount of prayers that we pray, not just for our lives or our family or our business or my kids or grandkids, but, but could, we, could we just say, Lord, would you use me today and would you use our church in this area and other church, great churches around us, would you use us to, to the opportunity for people who are moving from out of the country, moving from all over the world for jobs here, and, and would you use us not to be biased, not to look at them and go, what are you doing here? This is our country. But to reach out and, and have compassion and use our prayer time in the car or, or maybe just sitting outside on the deck or, or whatever. Use that prayer time to say, Lord, would you, would you use me to be a light? Would you use me? Now, it's one thing, though, to think about prayer in the, in the global sp- uh, uh, thought of, of the lost, and, and it gets overwhelming because, I mean, there's so many lost people in the world. China, should we pray that for more of that? Should we pray the 1040 window for, for in Indonesia and all of Africa and South America? I mean, what do we pray? Yeah, all those things are great, but what helps me is when I put names to it. What, what helps me is when, when, when I focus in global prayer or, or kingdom prayer is that it gets personal. And so here's what I mean. I want to look at, so here's where we'll be for the next just few minutes and I'm done. We're going to look at Luke 15. It's one of my favorite uh, passages in the, in the Gospels, Luke 15. And we're going to look at what Jesus taught us about the opportunity in front of us. And then we're going to just kind of figure out how to put names to that so that it's not just overwhelmingly we're praying, oh, kingdom prayers, Lord, whatever he said is we pray for your, you know, your name to be lifted up. And then let me get to my family. No, maybe we think, more di- we, we think a little bit differently about the prayers that we pray. And, and then in light of that, help us to put names to it. So in Luke 15, that's what it helps me do. So let's look at the, the passage And then I'm going to give you three things to think about, and then we'll sing a song together. Luke 15. Tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. Now, how many think that would be a good idea? How many think that the very people who need to hear the message of the kingdom and of grace and and, and the love of God would be people who are far from God, right? right? Well, this made the Pharisees and teachers of religious law complained that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. Before I go on, 
I think some of us have a mindset because sin and people far from God can be messy, as if our own lives aren't messy, okay? But they can be messy and inconvenient, and and it can be overwhelming, and it can be controversial. This is where Jesus was. He's reaching people far from God, and the religious people over here are saying, hey, you're contaminating yourself by even associating. This is ridiculous. What are you doing? And here is the heart of God. So Jesus tells them this story, or these stories. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders when he arrives, and he will call together his friends and his neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, because I have found my lost sheep. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who were righteous and haven't strayed away. First story. Second story. Or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Won't she light a lamp and sweep the entire house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she'll call all her friends and neighbors and say, Rejoice with me because I have found my lost money, my coin. In the same way, there is joy in the presence of God's angels when even one sinner repents. Third story. To illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him. And the man sent him into the fields, his fields, to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods, even what he was feeding the pigs, looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, I mean, at home, even the hired hands, the servants have food enough to spare, and, and here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against heaven, both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please, though, would you just take me on as a hired servant? So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. And filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and, and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. For this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he's found. So the party began. If you want to know the heart of God, if you want to know how to pray, if you want to know how to spend your life, now you know. 
I see, I see three kinds of people in this passage. I see lost people, I see misplaced people, and I see rebellious. Now, lost people in the first story, the sheep, they just wander away from the flock and for not bad, they're not bad people, they're not evil people, they just, they just kind of wandered away, got separated. Maybe they went to college and they got you know, confused with what they believe and they got mixed in with the wrong crowd and they kind of departed and, and wandered away. Maybe even, and don't, please don't get offended at me, but, but during COVID, some of us have lost our spiritual zeal and, and we've wandered. We wandered away from church. We watch online every once in a while, but we've been very distracted at best, even if not, we've wandered away. They're lost. There's some, though, that are misplaced, and I've never seen it in this passage like this. I've taught this passage, I don't know how many times, countless times, but I've never seen this. I've always kind of put the coin and the sheep in the same category. They're just lost. The coin is not a person. The coin is, doesn't have a mind, legs. The coin doesn't do anything. The coin is lost. Somebody lost the coin. The coin didn't jump out of the pocket, jump out of the purse. And, and the way that I view this particular story is, is, is perhaps those who have been hurt in church. Don't raise your hands, but I, I would venture to say there's a ton of us that had been hurt or disillusioned in, in some way or form or fashion in the church. Somebody said something. Somebody didn't say something. Somebody didn't call. Somebody judged you. Somebody, whatever, maybe even worse. Think all, all kinds of bad things happen. And in my view, in this story, they, they've just been misplaced. And then the third story, obviously, it's, it's very evident that the son was just rebellious. He just decided, yeah, you know what, I'm going to do my own thing. I'm just going to do it my way. And how many of us have done that? How many know somebody in your life who's lost? How many know somebody in your life who's misplaced? How many know somebody in your life who's rebellious? Maybe you've been one of these. In fact, I know you have. And I know I have. Some of us have wandered from our faith. I did, and I had a youth pastor, Chuck Myers, who went looking for me. And he carried me back on his shoulders, and he says, God's got a plan for you. And man, he, and I know there's the Lord, but he changed my life. Because somebody went looking for me. I had a mom who went looking for me. I had many people in my life that went looking for me, and I'm so grateful. Maybe some of you have been hurt in church and for whatever reason you found yourself here, but you are barely here. You know what I'm saying? You're barely here. It's a miracle of God even that you're here because of the depth of the wound or the hurt. And perhaps you're here today and you're this one. I mean, right now, you're rebellious. You're just like, I don't want any part of it. The only reason I'm here is because my wife made me come or my dad and mom made me come. Back to prayer. When Jesus says, hey, listen, there are plenty of those people in your life. You don't have to wonder about that. 
You don't have to wonder about, are there disconnected people from God around me? Because I don't know anybody. Well, then you really are staying at home. Because they're all around us. Jesus says the harvest is plentiful. What's the problem or the challenge is people who really care that they're disconnected. People are more concerned about their own thing and their own life and their own fun and their own money and their own whatever. But they don't go looking for the lost. They don't go looking for the misplaced. They don't wait with loving kindness and grace for the rebellious. Does that make sense? And that's, that's where the problem or the challenge is. And so my heart in, in saying all of this as we focus the next 21 days on prayer is not just praying more for us, although that's fine. Please, please understand, it's totally fine to pray for yourself. Totally fine to pray for all that you need. Jesus said, give us this day our daily bread. So it's not wrong to pray for those things. But, but could we up the percentage of, of our prayers for kingdom advancement in hearts of those far from him? Because our mission hasn't changed. It's inviting everyone to find Jesus. That's why we're here. Why, why would any church be here other than that? And I, I know I'm not making a judgment or I'm not saying anything about anybody. I'm just saying, why, why would we as a church or as people of God exist? Have any kind of mission outside of inviting everyone to find Jesus? What's the most important thing in your life? Well, my hope today is that my words and more importantly, the scripture would help us to just realign with God's purpose, with God's will, with God's heart in in the prayers that we pray. Yeah. yeah. So, so, well, I, I, saw, I told you I was going to give you a gift. If you read the emails, which I know hardly any of you do, but if you did, you said, I said I was, you're, you're going to get a gift. And I did give you a gift. I gave you a key. Okay? In the parking lot, there are new cars for each of you. <laughs> um, Get that key out, would you? If you didn't get one, just get one on the way out. But there's a key. It's a real one. It's a, you know, metal or whatever it is. And here's what, here's the, here's the, uh, there's many things that I want to say about this. But this key that you and I hold in our hands, this represents us in that we, whatever reason, God chose to use us to go search for the lost to go search for the misplaced, to wait patiently and lovingly and grace-filled for those who are rebellious. And we're the key. We're the key to his heart. He said, said, pray for the workers. Pray for for the people who would actually give a care about people far from God. And so I want you to do me a favor, and I know some of you, I know what some of you are going to say. I want you to put this on your key ring at least for a month. And I know you're like, I'm not putting another key on my ring. It's got too many already. 
Put it somewhere where you can see it. Tape it on your mirror, your dashboard, or put it on your key ring. And every time you look at your keys, you remember that I, it's not John. John's not the only one called to do this. But it's all of us. We're the key to the people in our lives who are lost, misplaced, or rebellious. And, and if you get a Sharpie, not right now, but it, when you get home, you, I, I've got three initials at least. You can, and there's room on the front and back. You can write all, you know, several, not a bunch, but several. I've got initials of somebody in my life who's lost, somebody in my life who's misplaced, and somebody in my life who's rebellious right now. And I want you to just think about those people. And when you see this key, remember the response. Actually, it's a responsibility, yes, but it's an invitation. And some of you have kids that are lost, and you have kids that are misplaced, or you have kids that are rebellious. Some of you have friends or coworkers or whoever. And and every time you, you, you see this key, I just want you to remember, hey, I'm a part of the plan of God for them. And when I pray... And I want to make my, I want to make sure my prayers are are kingdom prayers as much as they are about me. And it's not that your prayers are not important to God. Every prayer that you pray is important to God. But I wonder if what's what it, what's important to God is a part of your prayers and my prayers. So we're going to sing a song called Reckless Love. I love this song. It, it's, it's, it's about the love, the reckless love of God for all of us. And, and you know, when we, when we sing it, I, I, when I sing it, I really do think of, man, I mean, the, how, much, how much God pursued me. I'm so grateful that he put me in the home that he that he put me in. I'm so grateful that he put me in the church that he put me in. I'm so grateful that I had a youth pastor that gave a rip for the kids and, and went after me. I'm so grateful for the love of God that climbed any mountain, knocked down any wall, and came after me. So when we sing the song, right, we think of our own lives, we're just like, man, that's how much God loves me. I'm so grateful. But I want you to think further, and that's true, but I want you to think further. And, and what if the person that you would put on your key, whoever they are, lost, misplaced, or rebellious, what if they actually, over the next month, as you prayed for them, and you maybe reached out to them, maybe you had a lunch with them, or texted them, say, hey, I was thinking about you. I hope you're doing well, and love to get together sometime or whatever, and God opened a door because they're, they're ready to be connected. All they needed was somebody to reach out. And what if, what if in, a, in two months or three months, you saw them get baptized on a first Sunday because you went looking and I went looking. This song would have a whole new meaning because you not only think about yourself, but you would think about, wow. And I'll promise you this, you'd never get bored in this church. You never get bored with my teaching. You never get bored with whatever, with Christianity. When you bring somebody far from God and they cross the line of faith and they get baptized and you're just like, yes! Nothing, let me tell you, I'm telling you, there is no drug, no drink, no money that is worth more than that. 
So when we sing this song, I want you to think about not only your life and how much God loves you, which is true, I want you to think about those people that are, that are running right now. Some of you got kids that are running right now. Can I tell you that what you do in your life and, and how you live your life matters to them? It matters when they watch you and they, they see your faith or lack of it or lack of integrity. They see it. Can I just tell you, not put a condemnation on I'm just telling you, man, it matters. We're the key God chooses to use. So when we sing it, let's remember this. Let's go looking for those who are lost. Let's go looking for those who are misplaced. And let's wait patiently and lovingly for those who are rebellious. And what I mean by this, sometimes people are ready and sometimes they're not. And discernment understands the difference. But let's be the kind of people when they come running back and they come back into the, you don't stand at the porch and go, where are you, you had enough? You know what I'm saying? That attitude, you, you, you hit the rock bottom. Well, I hope, I hope you learned your lesson. I always do the hick thing. I'm sorry. I don't know why I do that, but I always do that. But instead, let's be like the story in, in, in the father who just runs and just says, oh, no, 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 no. I'm not going to say those things. I'm going to actually, I'm going to get a new robe for you. I'm going to get some uh, sandals for you, and I'm going to put a ring on your finger because you were lost, and now you're found just like you once were. God, as we sing this song, I pray that you, you, you just once again renew us and refresh us with your power. The power of the Holy Spirit enables us to be witnesses everywhere we go. And, and, I, and I pray that, that we not only pray our prayers thinking about us, but we would pray our prayers thinking about those around us who are lost and broken and misplaced and rebellious. That we would up the percentage of our prayer to what's super important to you. Because I really do believe that when we do that, what's important to us falls in line. When we pray what's important to you, when we do what's important to you, what's important to us just falls into place. So may your kingdom come and may your will be done in our hearts, in our lives, and in the area around us as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to Hope's Weekend Message. Visit hopefellowship.net and further connect with us by downloading the Hope app from the App Store or Google Play. Have a great day.